0: Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.therapistandstlouis.com, and you can also find the podcast at www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Today we are talking with Tom Laponte. Did I say that right, Tom? (laughs) That that is
1: correct. Oh, good, good. The sleep guy. (laughs) I
0: realized I didn't ask you before. So, okay, everybody, this is Tom Laponte, the sleep guy. And um, you have spent the earlier part of your life walking the fence between a creative career and a professional one as a project manager in technology. All right, now before we get into this next conversation, I just want to stop to give us a word from our new sponsors. So I am now working with a really cool company called Let's Get Checked. You can find them at trilgc.com slash stay kinky. What's really cool about this company actually is that they're doing testosterone testing for men and hormone checks for men and women. A lot of people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and reduced testosterone levels, which really can impact your sex life. And so more and more men and women are trying to test their hormone levels to see how they're doing. One in four men over 30 are actually low in testosterone. Symptoms you might want to look at include fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, even having a hard time making decisions, which is basically most of my client population. (laughs) Just teasing. But I mean, enough of you who come see me are actually really struggling with testosterone levels in your sex drive. So what's cool about this group is you can pick from either a male hormone test kit, a female hormone test kit, or an STD test kit. And what's really cool is they send it right to you in your home. You do what you need to do to take the test. And depending on what test you use, you'll either have to do a blood sample or a blood sample anti urine sample. And then you send it back and everything's completely confidential. And basically, they deliver to your home, they collect your sample, they review your results for you. So depending on what happens with your test, they may provide a prescription in some cases. Usually it would only be for something like if they're treating STDs. If you do end up having something longer term, like hormone therapy, then you'll likely be referred to a longer term provider. But at least you'll know where you stand. So it's really cool. Your results are available and they'll be reviewed by a physician. And then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. The Let's Get checked laboratories are CLIA approved and everything is completely anonymous. So again, that website is trylgc.com slash stay kinky and use the coupon code stay kinky to get 20% off. So I'm uh, I'm going to let you tell a little more of your story. So like I always uh, put out in my questionnaires to my my guests, I say, what is something, give us a short description of what makes you awesome. So Tom, tell us what makes you awesome. <laughs> Well,
1: I think it's a, it's a varied background. Um, I've been one of the, you know, luckiest people. I would say, uh, you know, uh, in my in my particular walk in life, uh, in my life journey, I've been able to bridge across very uh, different and varied uh, disciplines. Uh, I started my life as a technologist, uh, really dedicated to helping teams build and companies build these these really productive teams um, using agile methodology, using, you know, Scrum and all these different methodologies to make sure that people were developing and producing. Um, and I was very successful in that area, in that arena. Um, along the way, I was also writing uh, on my spare time. And I got like a second career in uh, screenwriting and got to do the whole kind of Hollywood thing for a little while. And so it was interesting to pivot and have those two lives kind of living side by side. Um, and then I decided that, you know, that particular life, although interesting, is uh, is a real uh, different life than, than having one where you're, you know, a, a little bit more conservative. Uh, that life tends to be very, very broad. And there's a lot of competition. And, you know, unless you're really living in that space and, um, you know, and, and okay with uh, the ups and downs of the Hollywood lifestyle, um, it's not for everybody.
0: Yeah, you're saying Hollywood is competitive. Interesting. <laughs>
1: it, well, it's not only competitive. It is very, um, it, it when you get there, it's not what you think it is. It's mm-hmm. not all glitz and glamorous. It's really a lot of Um, internal um, politics. Mm -hmm. And those politics tend to Uh, be very weighing on you, especially when you go to the town. I I was a person that was kind of, you know, pulled with, with managers and with agents and all that stuff, pulled to move to LA. And when I got there, I was this guy who was really a technologist, a project manager, you know, a person Mm -hmm. who, who works a conservative nine to five kind of job. And they're expecting you to work at 10 in the morning and at 10 at night. Um, But to be creative on like a switch and they expect you to deliver on a very tight, tight time frame, where it doesn't really give you a space to breathe and space to be creative. And so I found that very frustrating.
0: I could see why that would be frustrating. So tell us a little bit about like the sleep guy. You're calling yourself the sleep guy now. Like what are you doing in the here and now? And like, how has that shifted yeah. from before?
1: So, uh, so after I, I did my journey out to LA and found that it wasn't really a good fit for me, I started pivoting back and I came back to to the East coast. When I got back to the East coast, my father was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately at that time, um, you know, I, I, was at the same period, um, diagnosed with sleep apnea. Really? And so here, uh, were two separate conditions that were kind of, Conflating, They were kind of, you know, I was having trouble breathing and sleeping at night and I would go to see him and he was getting progressively worse and not being able to get a good night's rest. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed was that he was sitting up to sleep and I was like, what is going on? Why are you sitting up to sleep? And he was like, I'm afraid to lay down. And so I went on this whole little path of research and, you know, since my background is really, again, organizing, and I've even done some advocacy work in in the consumer end of products, I said, let me do some research and find out what's available for sleep and for uh, my father. Maybe I can help him out. And at the same time, I'll find out a little bit about sleep for myself. So maybe I can get to a sleep doctor and uh, go through some tests and figure out if there's uh, something I can treat for my sleep apnea at the time. And so uh, during that path, I started realizing how broad, how varied, and how confusing the sleep industry was. I was getting all kinds of different uh and you know this from being a sleep coach and you know, a person involved in sleep as well, that mm-hmm. it's it there's a lot of stuff that you can do. You can go completely holistic or you can go natural, or you can do a hybrid. And mm-hmm. it, that created for me uh, you know, a lot of confusion because I didn't know how to help my dad. I just I couldn't. I, I tried everything.
0: Tom, can I ask you something about him? Um, You said he was scared to lay down. I'm really curious. Why was he afraid to sleep laying down? So it was found out later that he had prostate cancer that had metastasized
1: and was uh, growing in his thoracic. And as a result, it was pressuring on his lungs.
0: Oh, so he couldn't breathe.
1: So he couldn't breathe. But again, I didn't know what was causing his, his apprehension because the doctor said, he should be able to lay down and fall asleep, but he could not, he would, he would just lose his air. And so, um, during that period, I I found the industry interesting. Not only did it pique my interest because I said, here is, here is something that I I think no one's really talking to in terms of consumers. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a regular consumer. Uh, How do I find out? How do I get from point A
0: to point B? (laughs) <laughs> How do you finally get back to sleep for real?
1: <laughs> yeah. And so what ended up happening is I did find a couple of things to help him sleep. We ended up getting him a, a special bed. Um, I ended up you know, going through the whole um, you know, hospice, uh, which was an experience in and, of, in and of itself. I ended up getting sleep treatment. Um, but the, the whole experience left me inspired. I said, there's definitely an opportunity here to bring what I know about Hollywood, to bring the storytelling, the narrative, the, mm-hmm. the the filmmaking aspects of this, and my project management work on getting things produced a particular way so that we can be more effective in messaging. And so I combined the two and I came up with this concept of not only the sleep guy, but Deep Sleep Global, mm-hmm. which would be a digital platform that encompasses a broad range of products and services and, uh, and, and communication and community. And so that's what, that's what the sleep guy has been. It's the kind of phase zero of this longer, bigger term project that, uh, that I'm on and I'm still on that sleep journey.
0: That's amazing. So really, you know, you were confused by how sleep was being introduced or the different modes or modalities to getting to sleep. Correct. And you just wanted to find a way to organize the information. And I'm sure project management helps a lot with that. <laughs> it,
1: it does. And, 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 and I was really surprised initially, because um, I didn't know what was the appropriate way of launching a company about you know again being a, a consumer advocate being an advocacy kind of company that offers information do i have to be an expert so i went through a whole certification became a certified sleep science coach but more for the i'm not going to start opening a practice and start being a you know a person treating people but i wanted to know as much as i could so that i can be informed about approaches And so that was one piece of the puzzle, right? Do I need to be a particular type of brand? Mm -hmm. But then I I said, you know, let's take it all the way back to simplest, you know, to the simplest, uh, um, uh, the finite thing that people can easily digest and that 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 is accessible to people, and that is just talking to people and listening to people. And I said, great, let me just put something together. And uh, at the time, a friend of mine came up you know, and said to me, you know, you're really like a sleep guy. And it was in conversation. I just, it's kind of stuck. I said, you know, that's pretty simple. Um, And I started formatting the show in a way that it could be, you know, first it started with just talking to one individual about their sleep issues and just listening to their story. Right. I, I was undiagnosed. I was untreated. I went through all this stuff and then I discovered that there was a uh, path to getting some solutions, and uh, I went to a psychiatrist or I went to a doctor, and then it evolved. And the more people I talked to, the more conditions kept coming up. Until the library of sleep disorders grew. It, just my information has grown up to about sixty different types of sleep disorders. Wow. And the weirdest thing is that. There are all these sub disorders. There's like some primary ones that you're aware of, like narcolepsy, sleep apnea. But then there are all these sub disorders, like exploding head syndrome. And so I decided let's just make the entire series uh, about these different disorders, and so let's have people from all f- all walks of life come, um, including sex and COVID, which you helped me out with, right? So really, relationships and sleep and how you know the imp- the pandemic is impacting sleep. Um, so that was really helpful to a lot of listeners.
0: Can I ask you, if there do you think that there are more, like when you're thinking and learning about all these sleep disorders, do you think that there are more sleep problems that are due to stress or biology, or is it a mix from what you're seeing? From what I'm seeing, there's definitely a mix. And there's also a
1: cultural phenomenon that's happening, a sleep crisis, underneath all the other crises that we're dealing with. And so I think people, as they become more aware of the various disorders through communication with sleep coaches, through communication with uh, researchers and, and the internet, of course, because everybody just searches everything, they're becoming more <laughs> and aware. And everything
0: you read on the internet is exactly true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because it's on the internet, right? Yeah, of <laughs> and, course. and unfortunately, that is driving more stress
1: and it's driving more anxiety. And it's causing more confusion. And so I'm hoping that uh, not, now what's happening is I'm, uh, more experts are approaching my, my, the channel and saying, can I do an interview? And so for the first time, I'm pivoting away from just, hey, I'm the consumer advocate guy listening to sleep stories to now bringing in doctors and dentists and psychiatrists and specialists in specific verticals like women in menopause and how does sleep affect that? Like it's getting really finite. Um, and it really, really um, siloed in its own way. Like each episode is becoming this compounded thing that I'm having to do multiple blocks of the same type of episode. Like mm-hmm. uh, sleep apnea, for instance, is supposed to be a three-part series. It just, sleep apnea would be the journey of the story, right? A doctor that comes in and talks about it. And then the third part would be essentially the products and services that are available. Now I've had to add two additional, one on insurance and how to get a sleep study done and one on dentistry. And so it's really interesting the way you start in one place and now you're always at another place where I'm talking now to sports doctors that are saying, hey, NFL athletes that suffer concussion syndrome have sleep issues. And you know something like 60% of NFL players suffer from these concussive situations and some of them, an increasing number, suffer from sleep apnea. And so it's so interesting that it's, it's, it's growing, evolving, and pivoting, and I'm just kind of riding along for the journey at
0: this point. So at this, like as I'm listening to you, I'm like, does it, do you just think maybe then America is just filled with people who can't sleep or overstressed, <laughs> overworked, very unhealthy, and about to die? <laughs> That's <laughs> and, and, a joke, you know, it's, but you it's know. Weird,
1: <laughs> it's, it's weird, Angela, but it's a global phenomenon. So I've, I've been talking to people in Japan. I've been talking to doctors in India and this is happening all over the place, like doctors in Russia are telling me they're suffering from sleep disorders on a high scale. The the There the, are the, the high suicide rates, and a lot of them are sleep deprived people in Japan. And so this is like, I, maybe it's because I decided long ago that I wasn't going to be the expert, that I would be the child in the room and just listen, you know, and observe. But it's given me the opportunity to look across the different uh, different paradigms that are that exist in the sleep world rather than just saying I'm a sleep guy uh, or I'm a sleep doctor and I treat apnea which is what I'm seeing with a lot of people like they'll treat narcolepsy and there's this split between doctors and MDs and people on the other side that are holistic and coaching and there's a split where you know coaches are they don't diagnose and they don't treat specifically certain conditions and then doctors don't talk about holistic approaches. They just talk about mm. the hard medicine or the, you know, devices that they're they're available. And so there's no bridge for the consumer. That like, yeah, you may need a CPAP. Yeah, but but lavender does help you uh, in the room and in the environment. Maybe dark shades help you in the room and the environment.
0: And having a routine around your sleep. You know, I've, I've researched some on these like routines and like even, you know, reducing stress, learning to do mindfulness as opposed to like even exercise. It's interesting, but me and my partner were talking about our sleep and he had had a week of really rough sleep and he had said that he he knew he needed to go back to exercising because he had deeper sleep on nights when he would do really hard exercise so like to your point it's like how do you look at the holistic um your the body how you're taking care of yourself making sure you're healthy but also using medical devices and medicines if needed to help people with these sleep issues. You know, it's there's no middle ground it sounds like or not often a middle ground. Well, I think
1: it's the same problem. I read an article with Rick Rubin who is the founder of Def Jam Records years ago. Okay. And he uh, the way he addresses issues, right? So in the past he used to address issues by saying, here's a problem, how do we fix it, right? And now during his years of experience, he's learned he no longer asked that question. He no longer says, here's the problem. How do we fix it? He goes, here's a problem. What do you think? What, what, where do you think we should go with this? And I think that unfortunately, we're not doing that in medicine and we're not doing that in the sleep industry. They're not. They're just saying, here's a problem. Here's how you fix it. They're not asking the patients. And I think until we get the full story and all the nuances, there's not going to be a broader, more uh, you know, more responsive um, reflection of what really does work. A sleep routine that encompasses everything and that it's offered by an MD, like sleep doctors, for instance, until about 10 years ago, there were no sleep programs that an MD could go through. And now I'm talking to two and three doctors a week that are going through sleep electives through their whole practice. This is what didn't exist years ago. And so doctors that you go to today that are MDs, they uh, may have graduated in the 60s and they don't have that sleep information. And so you're talking to an MD, which everybody does, everybody goes to see their primary care physician. That person may not be the best person. You may need a coach to bridge the the gaps, and, and to point you in the right direction to a sleep doctor, to a sleep psychologist that can help you treat yours. That's where the coaches, I think, fit in best, where they can be educating and training the general public on where they need to navigate to. You know, they can be the, the crossing guards, the the kind of uh, traffic cops, and, and they can also help building routines because they're seeing both sides of the of the picture, without having to treat, you know, debilitating ailments like uh, narcolepsy.
0: I'm curious, do you happen to have, um, like earlier you talked about exploding head disorder? So like I think most people yeah. know about sleep apnea or uh, narcolepsy. I think those are pretty familiar. But things that are a little less familiar, I'm really curious if you could describe for a bit. Like like exploding head disorder. Yeah. I've never heard of that. So tell me about it, well, please. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no more like
1: exploding head syndrome. And it, what happens is that there are people that actually hear um and when they're in the middle of their sleep cycle um they get this almost like a loud uh explosion but inside of their head in other words it's not in the room it's like you feel like you you get the reaction physical reaction of an explosion without actually uh experiencing it without actually externally experiencing it it's a weird, weird sensation that happens. And people get these um, explosions in the middle of the night. They they get this 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 thing that wakes them up. They're in excruciating pain and they don't know why. And it isn't until they get properly diagnosed that they can actually start working toward treating it. And so a lot of people just think it's a nightmare, you know, or it's maybe something that they... They experienced during their sleep. Maybe something happened. Maybe they heard a noise, but no, it's an actual thing that physiologically affects people. And there's still a lot of mystery of what causes it, but I'm going to be having uh, a doctor on not too long from now. We we have them booked on the show to talk about exploding head syndrome. Um, Another weird one is the, you know, we're going to go into the The mysteries of sleep, because one of the things that I wanted to do, which is close to my own heart, is the paranormal, right? I, I, I am a fan of those paranormal shows, right, where people Mm -hmm. are like doing all kinds of weird stuff, investigating ghosts or whatever. And I said, I would love to do like a series on sleepwalking and night terrors and take like a paranormal approach, just. To to kind of explore that area. I'm um, not to say that this show
0: is going to turn into a paranormal show. I just I don't have. It's an just kind of fun to see and explore people's ideas about that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know where that's going to
1: take us. I am going to do an episode or two on you know sleepwalking and para, what they call parasomnias. Mm. Um But I'm not going to go so far deep where it becomes sidetracked to the the mission, which is currently to just. Get the documentation, the living documentation of stories from people who actually uh, suffer disorders in in the effort of helping the audience identify their own sleep disorders. And so that's really my mission is just to get the education out from the horse's mouth, from the people that are going through it. So if you got a person that's not exploding head syndrome, talking to you, the audience, about exploding head syndrome, it's a lot more credible than me telling you this thing exists. And I find that that's the same thing with all disorders that when people hear real people that are going through it and they start telling them their journey, their story, it's a real powerful way to get that message across,
0: you know, Tom, I'm curious, did you figure out your own story? So, like you said you were, you know, we we kind of went on a little bit of a sidetrack to learn a little more about what you do. But I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that you and your dad both had these sleep troubles and, I'm curious if you ever figured out your sleep troubles or if he figured out his, like what, what shifted there for you two? So, so that's partly a sad story and a happy story. The sad story is that my father died
1: in a short period of time. It didn't give me enough time to help him. I was able to help his last day and get him some rest, but toward the end, there it was, there it was, it, it, it was too fast. It was a, a quickly collapsing thing. Um, that did inspire me to say, I'm not going to let that happen to another person. I, I definitely want to be able to, to guide people in the future, or at least inform people in the future that there is a way to get rest, even when you have a terminal illness. So that's one of my lifelong missions. Hopefully, you know, I can find the answers that will help that. Um, but in, in, for myself, my internal story is a continuing story. I just re-engaged with the sleep doctor. I am going through another sleep study. And I'm going to hopefully, if everything works out, treat the apnea uh, with either a, a CPAP machine, or I'm going to do surgery, which is uh, the, another option called uh, Inspire, which is a product that acts much like a pacemaker. You put it on; um, they, they surgically implant it, and then they it, it actually um, the muscles in your actual throat are pushed forward so that you won't get that choking feeling and gassing for air. So I'm in the
0: process of doing all of that for myself now,
1: and the story is uh, ongoing; it's still continuing.
0: Gotcha. Like so, I mean, there are some people who don't have sleep apnea. So I am curious. You know, you said that kind of choking feeling. Do you wake up kind of feeling like you can't breathe? What What is it like to have sleep apnea since you do suffer
1: with it? Well, there's different degrees of sleep apnea. There are people that suffer from really high degree, which is just choking and waking up. Completely, because they can't breathe, and there are others that have multiple episodes during the night. That's what I fall under, where you have periods where you're constantly waking, and and you don't wake up fully, but you wake you get out of that really healthy, you know, uh, cycle of REM sleep, and you don't go through the phases the way you should, so you don't get that nice roller coaster ride that you're supposed to have. Um, you get all these interruptions, and in minds, I know that, and this is why I'm going through the sleep study again. I live in in New York City. It's a very loud city. And I have a window that faces a very busy boulevard. And so even knowing it's relatively quiet, I still get loud, you know, whether it be ambulances, garbage trucks, or big 18-wheelers that go by in the middle of the night. Mm. That could be causing some of the episodes of waking, but I want to be sure. And so that's why I'm going through it again. And hopefully, you know, if I can treat it and I can get the effects, then I'm proof positive that this stuff is, you know, a physical thing and not so much environment. But if, it, if I continue to have disruptions, then uh, and I've done everything in my room, just for those listeners that don't know, I have blackout shades, two levels. I have uh, lavender and all these essential oils in my, in my diffuser. I have uh sleep mask. I, I, I have, um, you know, apparatus that helps me sleep. Um, you know, keeping my nostrils open at night. Um, I do everything. I do meditation before sleep um, for
0: all this. I even wear earplugs, right? So <laughs> I'm like uh, a guinea pig for everything to try and get better <laughs> sleep. You definitely tried everything to see what works. Has anything really helped, or do you do you have some days that are better than others, or like what's it tend to look like? Some days are better than others, but there are products
1: that you know you can't go through. Like I went through like sixty different earplugs to figure out <laughs> whether your plugs were actually good, because some people say, "Oh, you don't want earplugs plugs that completely cut off the sound." Um, But what I found was that there is a bridge, there is an area where if you cut off enough sound, you get deeper sleep. And so that range is around, you know, because you have a range when you're, when you're looking at decibels, Every, everything from 33 all the way up to 40 decibels. I have found that, you know, 37, 38 is probably the sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different, you know, I, I tend to be a light sleeper. And so that's also another complication. Um, the fact that you're a light sleeper naturally means that you're more, you know, likely to wake up. So that's one of the things that I'm always challenging, but I would say it's, you know, it's, it's some days better than others.
0: You know, I'd be really curious to see how many people, like if I were to even ask all the people in this building, how many of them struggle with sleep? I bet more of them would say yes than no. Cause like, even as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I struggle with sleep too. I've actually struggled to sleep since I hit my thirties, pretty much. Like I think, and it really got strong. It was about three years before I had my kid. But then as soon as I had her, then I became an even lighter sleep. So if I I even hear her noise a little bit, or she kind of freaks out a little (laughs) bit, then I'm like, you know, so I became a lighter sleeper even more after she was born. She's five now though. I still, so like for me, it's good days and bad days. I take Benadryl most nights. Um, and some nights I just accept that I'm not going to sleep as much and I stay up till 12. I was going to say about the Benadryl, just be very
1: careful not to take it habitually because, um, although Benadryl, I know a lot of people that love Benadryl as a, because it does the allergic effect of cutting off the histamine that makes you drowsy. Unfortunately, Benadryl does the opposite when you're, it, it actually takes away from your REM sleep. And so you end up waking tired. Um, and it's harder to fight that because you took a drug that cut off the histamine, which is your natural circadian rhythm for your wake cycle. And so, yeah, I just tell people if you're going to take ben I mean, you can't stop people from going over the counter. There's a lot of like like cool and things of that nature. Just don't make it a habit. Try, um, I, t- I tell people the best thing that I found for myself is melatonin spray, not melatonin actual pills, because the pills have the same effect as the uh, Benadryl. And so they, they also make you groggy and they take you out of REM sleep. Same thing with alcohol. If you drink alcohol, it's going to affect your circadian rhythm and it's going to mess up your REM cycle as well.
0: Well, there's other interesting things about uh, the melatonin that people don't realize. So melatonin is, it's not a sleep pill, but it is meant to be like a vitamin that goes with your natural sleep cycle. Melatonin is something that the body naturally creates. And so what when yep. people use it as a sleep pill, they're using it like before they're trying to go to bed. But if they're trying to go to bed at 11, then they're actually retraining their melatonin system to kick on later, later. So like, uh, and that's the problem. So like- And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I tell people, don't use the
1: pill. The spray that I that I I often use, uh, there are different types of uh, melatonin sprays available. But any topical spray that you can spray in your mouth, you know, any, any oral spray that you can spray in your mouth, you can actually control the dosage and it's a lot more uh, quicker acting. And so you don't have the digestive system involved. It actually gets to your your, your sleep uh, patterns much faster. And so it, it it does help you get to sleep. If you're just trying to get to sleep, you take it. If you want to get to sleep at 11, and you take it at 10, it'll knock you out by 11. Um, but if you take the pill, because it's going through the digestive tract, it'll take Till two, till one, to hit. And then now you're just messing up your entire sleep cycle.
0: Well, and that's why when I had read about this, they said, actually, the better way to take melatonin is to have a set time at night and never to take it after nine, actually. Because you're trying to train your yeah, sleep cycle yeah, I to turn on earlier um, and to Turn on more naturally again, but it's not necessarily a sleep pill. So when people do use it as a sleep pill, they essentially train themselves to have their melatonin cycle start later and later each later. time instead of, no, it's like every it's day, awful. do it at eight. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's awful because if, if, if you think about this, midnight, uh, every hour before midnight is two hours worth of sleep. Like if you were to go to sleep at nine, 10, 11, you're actually gaining two hours worth of sleep. If you go to sleep past midnight, you're actually cutting back hours of sleep. And so, you know, I'm one to talk, right? Because I like to go to sleep pretty, pretty late. And I usually, uh, I'm writing at 12 o'clock at night, which is horrible. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But I I, I know better. And I know that if I can get to bed earlier, I'm going to wake up more refreshed. And I've proven that for myself more (laughs) times than not. So remember, every time before midnight is giving you actually two hours uh, additional of sleep in terms of the rest that the body accepts, you know, that, that the body, um,
0: how the body interprets it. Do you think people have gotten worse with their sleep over this pandemic? You know, since everybody's afraid of everything and the world's falling apart. <laughs> you know, I asked you the same question. Right? I think I think we both agree um, everything's gotten
1: kind of worse. Um, we're we're locked in our rooms. Um, we, you know, we're we're completely off cycle on everything. How uh-huh. we eat, how we're gaining weight, we're more stressed out, we're working longer. I think everybody on average is working an hour longer, um, and so and and you know that's the average. I'm thinking I, I know people that are working two and three hours longer. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we, we need, we definitely need a solution and we need to get, uh, the vaccines If if this is the way to us getting out of, you know, out of our houses, um, and back to a, a normalcy of some kind, um, I I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> so I, I honestly do think that it has impacted the sleep world quite a bit. I think, uh, there has been an increase in also, um, just depression rates and that's oh, also absolutely. related to me.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, if people are depressed, they struggle to sleep. If they struggle to sleep, they struggle to de- often struggle with depression because they go hand in hand. You know, healthy sleep promotes healthy happiness or quality of life. But it's like a vicious cycle. You know, once you're going down that rabbit hole, it's really hard. It's like you know, it's one of those chicken or the egg questions. You know, it's like which one is it? It's well, it's a combination of both. You know, I'm also curious if you uh, talk to people about. So I've been laughing a little bit with my sister about this, but we, we both noticed that sex, since you know I'm a sex therapist too, sex seems to wake women up and put men to sleep. And I'm curious if you've seen a trend there or not, or if you even ask people, since you're asking a lot of questions around sex or not sex, sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was happy to have you
1: on, on the episode talking about just sex and sleep and the pandemic. Um, but uh, yeah, the truth is it does put men to sleep physically. Because men are exerting themselves and then women are actually, it's men and women, uh, the biology is almost opposite in every kind of way that you can think of in terms of our the way we interpret uh, our physiology. And so the body is really weird in that sense that men, you know, they... They tend to be more active in the morning in terms for the sex part. Um, men tend to be more virile, if you will, in the morning.
0: Oh yeah, testosterone levels are higher in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and so they that is true for not just me, but I think every every guy that I talk to, um, and 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 women uh, are not at their peak in the morning. I think that they're more at their peak at, in the evening. And so we're always out of sync. I think men and women are always out of sync. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that it does. There's some truth to that, that, you know, that men do knock out right after right after anything that uh, is unless they're doing it so late and so, you know, so uh, with such zero that it, it, it gives them the effect
0: of going to the
1: gym. That can happen as well. I so, but
0: know. I, I no. I tell you, on that. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time. If I have sex and I am awake, and like I, 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 always try to do it before, before dinner or in the afternoon. For that reason, because if I, if I have mm-hmm. sex earlier in the day then I'll be awake for the evening. It's like having your afternoon coffee. And then I can actually go to bed at night. But if it happens at 9 or 10 right before bed, I'm awake. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going downstairs to watch TV for a bit. (laughs) And he's like knocked out.
1: (laughs) But my sister sent me a text who said
0: the same thing. She was like, why does sex wake us up? I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it it does. But for for men, uh, it's not the case. I mean, uh, for men uh if I, I, you know, I tend to be, again, I, I tend to be more active in the morning, but if I do have an evening where, you know, I'm having, uh you know, I'm having sex, then yeah, it does it does put me in, it knocks me out <laughs> it's like a glass of milk for me <laughs>
0: it's like all right well that's just that's fine i was just curious all right so there's one question on here that you put that i really was interested in asking because you know i have your questions kind of in front of me but i was liking the storyline so you have on here what are your two most significant regrets in life and i just thought that was a really cool question so what are they tom yeah. Well, I mean, the two biggest regrets I have in life is the
1: way that I look at time, right? Um, Initially, when you're younger, everything seems like there's so much time to get everything done. And so what you do is you procrastinate more because you're saying, yeah, I can basically do whatever I want. I've got all the time in the world to accomplish it, right? And so one of my biggest regrets is that, you know, I did not value time when I was younger, in a way that I could do more, uh, while I'm here to, to better the, the world, to better humanity than to not, uh, spend so much time procrastinating on things like, I don't know, video games or whatever it is that you were doing when you were younger. Although it's important, but I, I, I do regret not, not valuing time more or understanding time more. And another thing I, 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 Regret um, is that i I, I really want to be able to communicate more effectively, and so I think that one of the things that I've learned uh, during time, reading for instance, you know Warren Buffett and people that have been in the financial field, uh, the Elon Musk of the world, is how they uh, never stop learning so one of the rules for Warren Buffett is never go to sleep without learning something new mm-hmm. and I I regret that I never used to do that. Like I I would wake up and I would live my life, especially as a project manager. It was all like a drone uh, kind of mentality. You knew the work, you went, you were educated in the work. So it was almost autopilot. You did it, you knew what the timelines were, what you needed to do, what the mile markers were. And everything was basically autopilot. And so my biggest regret there is understanding how communication is super powerful and the learning of things. And so now I don't go to sleep without
0: learning something new. That's probably what's keeping you up at night. Now, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, I'm only I, I, teasing. By,
1: by <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I, if I, uh, if I get through a day and I, mm-hmm. and I don't accomplish my task, then yeah it it can keep me up at night
0: um because it's exciting to learn new things doesn't it put you in a buzz anytime i learn new things it's like i go into a matrix buzz mindset i love it oh man i could just like sit on it for hours (laughs) yeah well what i try to do is i try to do all my learning
1: whatever it is that i'm i try to strategize my learning like Mm. it, 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 it can be as simple as learning how to sew differently right it can be as complex as learning A new software program, right? Or a a process. And so what I try to do is I try to schedule the learning and say, I got to read this book because I want to learn how to communicate better. I want to learn whatever it is. I want to I read this article and spend 20 minutes reading this article because I want to learn something new about sleep. Whatever it is, it can be small. It doesn't have to be great. Like you don't have to change the world by doing great big things, right? You can change the world by doing things consistently and, and experimenting and finding and, and learning and asking the right questions. And so I think that's the key you know, to that learning that, that Warren Buffett was talking about.
0: That's really cool, Tom. Hey, we're towards the end of the episode for now. So I guess, um, I would like to know how do people find you and just final thoughts you want people to know about you before we end today? Well,
1: if you have a sleep disorder, uh, if you have a sleep story and you want to share that, uh, in, in a very safe environment, I welcome your entire audience, To uh, seek me out They can go to deepsleepglobal.com On there you'll find out a little bit about uh, myself uh, and the show I have a YouTube uh, and podcast that go out weekly Um, I do ask that you know you uh, you kind of uh, give me a little bit of background Uh, so if you do want to send me an email you can uh, reach me at deepsleepglobal at gmail.com and you could just put in the subject line sleep issue, and whatever that sleep issue is. And that way, I can get an opportunity to get to know your audience members as well. Um, and
0: The Sleep Guy, tune in
1: weekly. Make sure you subscribe, like, and follow.
0: Well, thank you so much, Tom. And this has been Angela Skirtu with the About Sex Podcast. You can find me at www.aboutsexpodcast or www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. Thank you all for joining me. Thank you, Tom, for joining me in this interview. And stay kinky, St. Louis.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.